All right, welcome to Equal Time Soccer. I'm Matt Pravratsky alongside Gopher holding midfielder Megan Gray. And Meg, first off, holy crap, what a game for you in the opener for the return to the field against Nebraska. For those who have not followed the team closely or for those who have not followed you closely, you have almost entirely played as an outside winger up top. And in this game, you start as a holding midfielder go the distance, play 110 minutes, and have a hell of a game. But take us behind the curtain on when did you actually figure out you would be playing in that spot, and what were those first thoughts that went through your mind? Yeah, first off, thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, and going off your question, I haven't been really training at holding mid any time but this season. Um, I guess, I don't know, I'm not sure – for those who don't know, um, I tested positive for COVID the day before we were supposed to report back. So I was at home for uh, the duration of my isolation. And I came back and did some fitness stuff with Corey. And I think it was two Tuesdays ago that I uh, passed the fitness test. And then that same day, coach was like, you were looking to have you play holding mid. So I think I had like maybe a week and a half in that position before our game against Nebraska. So you were home when you say the reporting day, you're talking about after winter break. So you were home basically for the first several weeks of January. And then you, and then you come back and everyone knows there's been some, some carryover effects for folks who, who have COVID like with respiratory stuff, lung stuff, you still are able to come back and pass the fitness test. And then, Oh, by the way, you're a player who's used to playing 40 or 50 minutes a game on the wing in chunks, not even at once. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to play. And now you end up playing 110 minutes straight. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, it definitely took me by surprise. I felt better than I thought I would, which was good. Um, but yeah, I was used to playing like 20 to 30 minutes at a time in like each half. And I think we were all just kind of appreciating the fact that we were able to go into two overtimes, especially in the midfield with as much running as we're used to doing. So it was good. Yeah, I think, well, I think the the funny thing was when I saw the the starting graphic come out, Maddie Castro and I are sitting there ready to call the game. And there's so many things about the lineup that were surprising to us. I mean, maybe to the team, there were fewer shocks because you'd been training in certain spots, but yeah. to outside viewers, there were, I mean, it felt like a dozen unique things about what was going on. And, and uh, you know, Maddie Castro, for those who didn't follow the team back there, I've sort of described you as something of a modern day Maddie Castro in the sense that, you can handle playing on sort of multiple places on the field. So then you end up getting asked to play multiple places on the field, all those kind of things. But yeah, you, I mean, so, so in other words, there were plenty of things that were surprising about you playing holding mid, but then as I wrote up in the, in the story about the game, there's also so many things about your game that actually fit that position. And so it's actually kind of crazy. We haven't even as fans or for myself, haven't thought of you playing there just the ability to make quick decisions, you know, the um, your sort of willingness to get scrappy, which I didn't, I had never projected into the center of the field, but you were making interceptions, you were stepping in, you know, against a team that really can play a little bit physical and they can go to ground, as Maddie said during the broadcast so many times. But, you know, I said there were so many changes to that lineup, but how much of that, you know, for us as outsiders, it seems so new. The idea of 
being in a 4-4-2, even if it kind of played like the 4-3-3, you know, it's like formation and name only, you know, Patricia Ward playing as an outside back, all those things that seem sort of, sort of crazy or new to us. How much of that are things that you actually do see in the training environment, but we just don't see publicly versus things that truly were brand new, even to the team? Yeah, for sure. Um, so the 4-4-2 and like everyone playing in those new positions was definitely new this um, spring. So coming back from that winter break, um, we kind of like, I think the coaching staff sat down and they're like, how can we exploit teams in different areas? And so they stuck with the 4-4-2 formation. And like, I think all of us as teammates kind of appreciate everyone's willingness to play in those new positions because with COVID, if someone tests positive, um, obviously someone's going to have to fill in. So just being willing to try those new positions and have an open mind and be willing to learn from the coaches and your teammates, I think is something that we've kind of been rolling with. And I, I think it will continue throughout the rest of the season. So how many, like how many times had you actually played there even in practice to sort of get used to here I am on the field? Like, this is how I see my sight, even the sight lines. I mean, everything is different. You were sitting between the center backs, which is, you know, oh, now I'm communicating with Athena and Lainey instead mm -hmm. of, trying to combine on the end line, you know, so right, how, many, yeah. how many times had you actually gotten those reps to sort of get comfortable in that space? Right. Um, honestly, just the past week and a half, it, ever since I've been able to like play contact, um, I've been getting reps in there and a lot of us um, have been doing extra work. So getting those extra reps in when we can, when our load allows for it. Uh, so I think that's been the case with a lot of people like Patricia, you were saying is new to, the outside back. Um, and that's just of a month ago. So I think mm -hmm. everyone's just kind of attacking it with the open mind again. Right. Well, and I, I mean, in a very general sense, it worked and in, in the sense that the team looked pretty good there. Um, I think the biggest thing to take away from a game like this, even though it was a tie and not some blowout win, was it really seemed to me like the floor of this team is really high. I mean, you know, like, there was so much that seemed stable and steady. Um, you know, folks feel felt comfortable, all those things where it seemed to show that this team is not going to get blown out. Like at the very least, this team is going to be competitive, even against the very best in the conference. And I don't know, like how much of that after the game was a confidence builder for you all of a lot of us in new spots. It's been over a year since a game. You know, how, how much of a confidence boost was it to see oh, we can actually all kind of play here and imagine if we would have caught a break here or there, you know, if Kenna's header hadn't hit that player mm -hmm. in the gut, you know, all those things. Yeah, for sure. I think it was definitely a confidence booster, um, especially for the upperclassmen who went through that last season where it was just really frustrating with um, a lot of losses and close games that we probably should have won. But I think getting the tie right off the bat was really good for us. And I think a lot of us were still kind of frustrated with not being able to finish because I do think we created a lot of chances and pretty much ran the game um, for its entirety. So I think that that will definitely keep rolling, but just being able to capitalize will be really important for us in the future. Mm -hmm. Well, and you, I think you as an individual player represent something that I think a lot of fans can relate to or sort of project themselves onto because you're a hard worker. Like people talk about you, like you're a good teammate, you hustle, you can fit in anywhere. And so you're like 
that type of player gets so romanticized mm-hmm. as like a she'll do whatever it takes she'll she'll work hard she can play in every part of the game or anywhere on the field but I think being that type of player also comes with the drawback of and coaches even mentioned it to me before the season started of you know, Meg is so solid. She can play anywhere, but that also means that she hasn't had the chance to cement herself into a single place because if some random player is out in training and they need someone to fill in, you're always willing to help out. And so even coaches mentioned that they've nudged you before to be like, Meg, push for where you want to play. Like, don't raise your hand first. Don't say, yeah, I can be center back for a day. You know, say, screw this. I'm a winger. Like, screw this. I'm a center mid. So you know, how have you processed that general dynamic with, I'm a great teammate. I want to be a team player. I want to help build chemistry with, I want to play. I want to be good. How have you balanced that before? And do you think maybe this role that you did so well in as a holding mid is the type of place where maybe you could cement yourself? Yeah. um, I think just going off that, I am happy to play anywhere, especially now with COVID going on. I think it's hard to like be in a cement position when you know someone could test positive or get injured um, and your lineup could completely change. But I think I've always kind of been that player just wanting to be on the field, no matter where it is, I'll play anywhere. Like obviously there's a learning curve with that, but just being able to have the opportunity to play or um, even if it may be a new position, I feel like I always am pretty open-minded with things and I'm willing to take feedback and kind of run with it. So I, I've definitely heard that before. I know Coach Maya and Coach have said, um, like, just fight for your position. And, like, you don't always have to volunteer first to play, like you said, like a center back or stuff like that. Um, but I think I just I just get really excited with the idea of getting to be on the field. And, like, especially now that we do have a season, just getting to compete against some really good teams. Mm-hmm. Well, you, I mean, you came in and as much as I say, you know, you're filling in and you're going all over. You've been playing since you came. I mean, you've played basically essentially every game of your career. I don't know if you missed like one or two, but basically every game of your career, I threw out the number of like 40 to 50 minutes a game, but that basically is what you've averaged, you know, as a freshman and a sophomore. And so you're constantly out there and you are seeing minutes. So you are, you are seeing those, those, uh, you know, getting your chances on the field. What was it? I mean, what was it like for you? in those first couple of years of trying to solidify yourself in the program in terms of, okay, here's where I came from. Here's what I was expecting, but now here's what it's like, you know, what was it like for you adjusting to now being such a mainstay, but when you started, what was that process like? Yeah, I think um, the first game I ever, like our team ever played when I was a freshman was an exhibition game against Kansas state. And I was the only one on the team who didn't get to play. And I think that really like lit a fire in me. And I, every time I got the opportunity to play, I was trying to prove myself. Um, and I think I kind of start every season with that freshman mentality, like fighting for that spot, like nothing's ever given from season to season. So it was definitely like an adjustment. Obviously, people, every player in Division One level is used to coming and being like the top of their club, different, all earning all of these awards and achievements in high school. So I think just being able to come in with that mentality. And like you said, being like willing to play anywhere um, has something that's been like my mindset throughout my collegiate career, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, and were there any, were there any parts of the experience that were just so different from what you were expecting? You know, there's only, you do your campus visits, you meet some of the players, you kind of know who the team is, you know, who your fellow recruiting classmates are. 
was there anything when you started that was like, oh, I knew it would be this, but I didn't expect that? Was there were there any sort of big surprises, or since you had talked so much and you'd been committed for so long, was it sort of just everything you expected, but a little bit more? Um, I think it was definitely like I kind of knew what to expect just because I came from a club, um, and my coach Daryl like kind of prepared us like very well for the college atmosphere and like the speed of play and stuff like that. So I kind of knew what to expect, but at the same time you get here and you're like, well, this isn't like club soccer anymore. It's like two levels up kind of thing. So I think just the speed of play and um, I would just say like the competition in the big 10 is like no teams you've ever played before. Like it's always a grind. So it's definitely some, something to look forward to if you're, if you're committed. Well, and you, you mentioned Ankeny, so now we have to talk Ankeny. There, I mentioned on the broadcast, there's like a bizarrely long pipeline of Ankeny talent to the U of M. I mentioned Kelsey Hood back in like the 2008 run to the Sweet 16 days, but there's there's like a half dozen players and you there's even more coming next year, right? Like there's a, a player coming in from Ankeny uh, next fall and all this stuff, but Talk about the soccer culture down there. I mean, how has this sort of one specific suburb down in Iowa become a little bit of a hotbed or even just, you know, is it something where players down there know other players who went to the U so it's on the radar? Or is it as simple as, well, yeah, the U's only a couple hundred miles away. It's not that crazy, Matt. Yeah, um, honestly, I wasn't aware of like, like the U wasn't on my radar when I was committing. So um, I think... I, I knew I wanted to play at a Big Ten school, but I, I didn't know where. Um, and in terms of Ankeny, I guess my whole my whole childhood, I grew up and like we played teams who would probably say, oh, they're from Iowa, like they're not going to be good. So I think that's what, what we took as motivation. Um, and I would say in, um, in terms of our club, I played for Rush and that was like kind of like the place to play in Iowa. I mean, there's not many – clubs or opportunities for club um, throughout the state. So it, it brought in a lot of people from a couple hours away or from different states and they would come once or twice a week to practice. And that's kind of how it was. And we would go to showcases in like Ohio and Indiana and that was like the big deal for us. So I think a lot of us just grew up like wanting to play Big Ten. So I know a few of, a few of the players on my club ended up at like Iowa, Nebraska, so. Right. Well, and I think, you know, we, I don't know if we've ever had you super featured on the show before, even done really in-depth stuff before, but for us who haven't learned a lot about your background, you mentioned that the, the Minnesota, you know, Minnesota wasn't like screaming out at you as being on your radar when you started that process. But for you, by the time you actually thought about playing, like you said, at the big 10 level or, you know, oh, I, I think I could go power five or D one or whatever the, the thought you had in your head when, you know, when did that process start and how did Minnesota first sort of reach out to you? Was it that they were at one of those showcases or whatever, but for you as a recruit, you know, which programs were you considering and sort of what was your universe then of, oh, if I decide this, you know, were, were you narrowing yourself down to, you know, this big decision as like a sophomore or whenever it happens, what was that like for you? Um, so I think that, like when I was getting in during the recruiting process, um, it was at a much younger age than I think they're allowed to re be recruited now. Mm -hmm. So I started my recruiting process in like eighth grade or freshman year of high school. Um, and I 
knew I wanted to stay close to home. So I pretty much looked at like different schools in the Midwest. So a lot of schools in Iowa, a few in Nebraska, Illinois. Um, and I kind of knew I wanted to play division one, big 10. So I had it narrowed down to like the Nebraska, Iowa, um, Minnesota, but Minnesota was actually my last visit. And I came here and I was just super impressed. Like I knew right when I got here that this was like the place I wanted to be. Um, and I kind of rolled with that. I remember telling my mom on the way home, like, I was like, mom, I really want to commit. And she's like, are you sure? Like, you don't want to like think about it. And I was like, no, like I want to commit. So I think I did the dreaded, like call all the other coaches and say like, you've made a decision. Um, and then I committed, I think it was like a few weeks later. So. And when, what time, like how old were you then? Like what part of, you know, was it part of sophomore year or were you even before then? When was that in your sort um, of high school yeah. career? It was my sophomore year. I think it was May of my sophomore year. Mm -hmm. So right before my junior year of high school. And had it gotten to a point where you had sort of multiple legitimate offers or, or was it like where people had said, we'll give you X percentage and blah, blah, blah. And like the whole song and dance. So did you, did you have legitimately like options you were like hard options you were considering? Um, I had offers, but I don't know that I was considering. Right. I would say I, I kind of had my heart set on Minnesota. So I just kind of, once I came here, I pushed all the other ones aside and right. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. That's the stuff that I can't even imagine. Even like you telling the story about starting to get recruited in like eighth or ninth grade. It's insane for me to think about being like 13 or 14 or whatever and starting to think about, oh, it's cool. I'm just using this place where I'll get my degree and where I'll be as a 22 year old. It's no big deal. I'm just a young teenager making this decision. Like it's, yeah. I can't even. That's the part that anyone who has not played high level athletics. Like, tr like me, like truly cannot relate to because, right. you know, the rest of us may have chosen our school literally senior year, you know, so <laughs> yeah. it's so, it's so crazy to me. So I love that your mom said, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> are you sure? Speak, speaking of your family, I, I cannot give away the source. So even before we recorded and I hinted, we may have a family question. I did not tell you who in the family gave this to you, but there is a question suggested by a listener. Who is the best athlete in your family? Like my immediate family or my extended family? Let's go both. You can let's let's tell the people. Let's Ooh, spread the gray word. This is tough. Um so my brother is playing as a freshman. He plays baseball at Wartburg, which is a, a D3 school in Iowa. And then my sister is a sixth grader and she plays volleyball and soccer. So I'm trying to decide. I, I don't want to say myself. I think we're all different in our own ways, which is nice. I think my brother's more of like the natural athlete who it's just like a natural gift. And then me and my sister are more of like the grinding, like hard work. So hmm, I think I, I would say my sister, honestly, I think she has the most potential. <laughs> well, and I don't, I don't know too, if this is fishing for you to mention, like, are, are you being asked to glory days for your parents right now? Like, are you, <laughs> Like are either Maybe. of your parents are either of your parents like longtime athletes like played in college or anything? None of none of, none of them played in college, but I mean my dad was like the all around track, baseball, basketball, football guy in high school, and my mom was a cheerleader. So maybe my You're mom. Well, I think well, I think you as a 
really quality starting Big Ten holding <laughs> midfielder can say yourself. I don't think you have to be that humble. I think you can say yourself. <laughs> well, and you know, we were talking about Ankeny. The funniest thing is last year during the election, I, I even if you're only on social media, really randomly, even if you don't know anything about Megan Gray or women's soccer or follow the U, anytime I was on social media, I would see random like campaign stops in Ankeny because Iowa is just flooded with campaign events. And I'm sure growing up, you just like were drowning in, you know, campaign stuff and mailers and ads and everything. And so it's funny to me that Ankeny is actually sort of to the rest of the world, some random political location that you happen to grow up in. I mean, I know I know that they mentioned last year the team really worked to register to vote, like Delaney and other folks who are politically interested already helped the team get registered. And um, and I know, you know, during the broadcast, before the broadcast started, folks couldn't see it, but I was watching the monitor. You know, most of the team was kneeling. The vast majority of the team was kneeling. And I know Patricia had a great, I think she had a great statement during that Black History Month video where she just said, you know, one of the best quotes of the couple minute video we shared was just, you know, it's it's no longer really acceptable to be silent. And I just appreciated the way she phrased that. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, what's it, what's the conversation like within the team with stuff like that in terms of how do we make our voices heard? How do we stand up for, you know, racial justice or these issues we care about? You know, how is how does that get discussed? Because I know maybe in the past that wasn't necessarily always a big topic, but how do you grapple with that? And even you as a teammate, how do you think, oh, how do I stand up for, you know, my teammates of color and all these things? I mean, how do you grapple with that? And what's the conversation like? Because I don't know if it was always sort of an expectation as it is now. Right. Yeah, so um, we have team building every Tuesday. And this previous Tuesday, we focused on whether we would kneel or stand during the national anthem. And I think the thing that stood out to me the most was right off the bat, everyone was like, I don't want this decision or like the personal decision you make to alter or change any relationship we, you have with anyone on the team. So I think we all like understand and appreciate everyone's point of view from, from that perspective. Um, but yeah, I do think I really appreciated Patricia's uh, video. I know um, it stood out to me and like, her way of like advocating for the Black Lives Matter movement has like really stood out. Um, so for me personally, I I knew I didn't really have um, the, I didn't have the option to stand. I knew I was gonna kneel right away. And that was like a big thing for our team was, well, how do we still respect like those who have served or those in the military? Because a lot of us do come from military backgrounds where we have family members who have served or different things like that. So coach brought up the really good idea of like, if you wanted to kneel and still honor those people in a way to have your hand over your heart. So I think a lot of us, that was the, that was the road we took. But at the end of the day, I think just um, understanding and appreciating everyone's opinions on this. I mean, it's so different. People grew up in different ways. And I think just being able to like stand for what you believe in um, and have your, have the right to your own opinion, not your parents, not your friends or peers or stuff like that, just being able to like be proud of your um, decision. So, mm -hmm. well, and even, I mean, I will say too, I just respect the hell out of how you talked about it just now, just in the sense that I grew up in a really rural Northern Minnesota community. It was a place where those dialogues just weren't taking place. And so I can't imagine e even speaking to those issues, let alone having an understanding of, 
of racial dynamics and, and all these challenges that are so rooted in society. But having mm -hmm. to speak to that as like an 18 year old, 19 year old, 20 year old, where you're not that far removed from the one place you've lived your whole mm -hmm. life is so tough. And the thing about your team is you have players from all over. So like you have right. players from different parts of the country, like different states, different cities, but there still is, like you said, there still is sort of a preponderance of a lot of, a lot of one kind of experience and maybe not a lot of it. You know, there's a lot of suburban sort of um, like financially comfortable folks like in the women's soccer space. So it's also just right. like you said, it's hard to grow in that space. So I appreciate you being willing to sort of sit and, and deal with that yeah. live on Twitter. <laughs> we'll throw we'll throw that at you. Um, well, and I think, you know, back to your to sort of your individual game, I think it was sort of nuts for me to watch the the team get back on the field and think about just the sheer amount of time you've waited to have a true test of what works as a team, what doesn't. How, like, how are we excelling? How aren't we? All those things. So for such a long period of time, you're almost exclusively working either individual skills, individual aspects of your game, and then small-sided internal stuff. I mean, what was your personal approach to try to make the best of that situation where you know you're shut down in spring, so you kind of think it's a spring thing, but in the back of your head, I'm sure players at least hopefully kind of got that maybe it'll be longer term. Then you think you're back in the fall and it's yeah. shut down again. And so how you know, how did you sort of focus your own internal energy into how do I take advantage of this as opposed to just dealing with sort of the the COVID, the 2020, the quarantine right. crap that all of us dealt with, how did you try and harness that for yourself? Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing for me was understanding that everyone was in the same situation. Um, it's not like it was just a Minnesota thing or um, exclusively like the U. Um, so everyone was kind of in the same boat. And I think being able to like take that time to work on personal stuff. So like, stuff you can improve on in your game was a huge thing because when are you going to have that much time to work on exclusively yourself and like just your weaknesses and try to get better in that area. So I think I definitely focused on that. And then, um, I well, know and a what, well, and what were some of those areas for you? Cause I think you're actually someone where I don't think your weaknesses actually stand out that obviously on the field because you like, you know, maybe you're not the absolute fastest player or the mm -hmm. absolute quickest player, but otherwise there's nothing in, I think, the way you play that's really obvious. You know, like you, you seem like you're an accurate passer. You seem like you have a good sense of spacing and movement and all those things. So to a fan, I don't think we look at your game and think, oh, Meg needs to do X. <laughs> like it's not, you know, there, I don't think it's very obvious, but for you, was there really clear specific stuff you tried to grow in? Yeah, I think for me, I've always favored my right foot. Obviously, I'm right-footed, and sometimes I feel pretty uncomfortable using my left foot, so I definitely focused on my left foot. Um, obviously, like you said, I'm not, like, the most strong or fast athlete on the field, so I think improving in my fitness as best as I could and, like, just being able to have that fitness base to work off of and be um, able to, like, provide that during a game or for my team was big for me. Um, uh the power of my shot, the precision of my shot, just different things like that, that I know, like, especially coming off the season that we had, not having anyone who can, who could really put a goal in the back of the net, um, mm -hmm. I think was a big thing. So just being able to focus on those things. And I, it was really motivating coming off that season. So just being able to like, 
understand that when you come back, you guys are going to be better than you were, different things like that. It was also just so hard because it was so fluid, like the right. situation as a whole. Like at first we we thought we were coming back two weeks after like winter or spring, spring break. break. Yeah. And then we got told like, you're not going to have a spring season and then you're going to come back in the fall. And then it, we come back in the fall and then it gets pushed back. So I think it was, it was hard when we came back in the fall because we thought it was finally our chance. And then we get told that it's postponed and that was really heartbreaking for a lot of us. And I think it was like hard to find motivation from that point on. So right. I'm really proud of us for getting to where we are now. Right. Right. Well, and I think even for you as, I mean, you're a veteran now, like this is your third season. You've been through normal seasons. It was kind of funny when we had our, our preview show last Thursday, I asked Sophia Bowman what it was like to have basically the longest freshman preseason of all time. And she said, she said, well, I've never known anything different. And I said, oh, so for you, college always starts with a 13 month like camp basically. <laughs> but for you, you've been through it and you're, and you're really, you know, one of the veterans on the team. Like how much did you think in terms of your responsibility of helping these young players adapt, even last year's freshmen, I mean, who had been through a tough season and you had been part of, you know, a big 10 championship and then a down year, how, you know, how much did you grapple with that of how do I grow in my leadership too? Not just my own game, but like, how do I become, you know, even more of a team value than, or, a you know, a, a team, a leader as a teammate too. Yeah. Um, I think it was nice having, so the freshmen that came in this fall, um, got to be on our team building activities, um, when COVID was first, like a thing, I guess, in March. Um, so it was really nice to be able to like connect with them before they even got on campus. I mean, I wish I would have had that opportunity to like get to know people before I got on campus besides my class. Um, so I think that definitely helped them just kind of open up and connect to different people in different classes. Um, and then in terms of the soccer piece, I think just holding people accountable. Uh, it's hard to work out by yourself and do soccer stuff by yourself all the time. So checking in on people mentally, emotionally, um, just outside of soccer was a big thing for us too. I think we really took a lot of pride in that, not just focusing on how people are doing with soccer and stuff like that, but how's school, how's your family, how are you? Um, so I think just valuing everyone's kind of emotions during that time, because it's so hard to handle, especially as a collegiate athlete, mm -hmm. um, trying to motivate yourself to work out and, Get, get on your soccer stuff. So I think that was we, a big thing for our team. Right. The, the glamorous life of, oh, I'm getting up to do a lift early and then I have classes and then I get to go to training. Then I do team building. Then I do homework. Then I yeah. get, you know, well, and you, and you mentioned the mental side. I mean, I think the, um, you know, every player is so different. I mean, I think you have, you know, 25 women on the roster and I'm sure all of you motivate so differently or approach things differently. How much did you learn about yourself in terms of your mentality going from like, how did you used to think of yourself as a player? And, you know, where a lot of those things confirmed in terms of, I know I can self-motivate or like, I need positive reinforcement or I need to be really yelled at, you know, like what, what were the things that suck out to you in terms of what you thought worked or what you needed more of when there wasn't, because the thing about not having games is there's no external there's no external even criticism. Like there's no mm -hmm. external support. There's no, ex even your parents aren't watching you play. So you can't get your, your family saying, good job, Meg. Like you don't yeah. get any of that stuff. So how much, like what side of the, what part of the mentality did you sort of learn about yourself going that long of trying to 
how do I stay focused? How do I stay motivated? Like all that stuff. Right. I think uh, right off the bat, I was pretty good at self-motivating when I thought it was going to be a two week ordeal. And then once it passed, like, I think the month mark, I was like struggling to like find motivation. And um, this past winter break, uh, my mom actually started getting up and going to the gym with me at like five in the morning because I would work. So I think like just having that person to go with really helped and like hold me accountable. I mean, I probably would have done the workout by myself if I didn't go at five, but it may not have been at 5 a.m. It would have probably been like when I'm done with work or, you know, so I think just kind of having those people in your lives and like having that support at home was a was a big deal for me. Um, I don't think I probably could have done it the way I did if I didn't have my family or my siblings or friends at home. So I definitely am very appreciative of that. Mm-hmm. Well, and you mentioned earlier when you were talking about improving certain skills in your game and improving the accuracy of your shot, some of the power on your shot. There were moments when you, especially because this is a new position for you, there were moments where you had so many steals and interceptions where I don't know if that felt new to you to have the chance to like really attack up. You know, normally you're playing sort of on the front line. So if you're in a press, it's very obvious that you're putting pressure because you're the first person the defender sees. But it felt like a lot of the times you were benefiting from the fact that you were deep almost into the third line. And so you there were all these times where I'm like, Jesus, where did Meg come from? Like you just you'd step into a passing lane and you'd get the ball. And in that first half, especially, there was a couple of really nice combinations where you'd have a nice give and go combination. And it was the type of thing after you mentioned your shot just now, where I could see eventually you having a shot to, you know, rip some chances from mm-hmm. distance. Have you been have you been thinking about that? And was that something you tried to work into your game now that you're more running onto the ball, like more in a direct um, straight line fashion as opposed to working sort of from the side? Like now you're actually working toward goal, like downhill. Was that something you've had to get used to where, hey, I actually I'm not going to be like squirming my way into the end line. I'm charging (laughs) at goal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think. Um, there may have time may have been times when I got a little bit too excited. Um, the coaches had to tell me to like stay in the hole or like stay back a little bit. And I think I'm just so used to like being able to be in the attack and trying to like start opportunities or give those give and goes. But I think I, I got excited and it's definitely going to take like experience for me to have that self-discipline to not always (laughs) want to get up and kind of hold my position. But I definitely, it's definitely new for me. Um, and we've been working on that, cutting off those passes or ripping off those balls in practice. So um, it was nice to see it like finally pay off. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to well, kind of have opportunities for that. Well, it'll it'll also, I think, be nice for you to get those Michigan games under your belt because Nebraska plays so specifically. Right. You know, like yep. if they're in their three five two and they're pushing all the way out, and then and then do Katie Duong and Sophia Bowman sort of feel like they also need to stay out there, even though they really could cut in more, you know, they were staying so wide. And I think even, even if you played Nebraska next week, they would work inside more too. Mm -hmm. So it's it's, it's also like, as soon as you play another team, you're going to have such a different combination chance where they were living. Like, it's like my, one of my youth soccer coaches used to say, you need to be so wide. You have paint on your boots. (laughs) they They were living so wide they had like the turf paint on their boots where yeah. like, out they were. Yeah. Well, and I think 
you know, I, I mentioned that you're sort of, I think, a somewhat relatable player or people project themselves relating to you because you've played so many places. But also for young teammates, did you find certain players that you gravitated towards in terms of like helping them learn the system? And you like, was there anything you saw of yourself in them where you're like, oh, I need to help, you know, I need to help her sort of I did. I went through that same stuff, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take her hand and sort of be a be a bud for her. Are there any sort of young players on the team that you've seen that you're starting to like? They've shown some potential, even if we didn't get to see them on Sunday. Yeah, I think um, obviously having like Duong and Bowman in front of me has been really fun. They're just like naturally very gifted players, and um, I never really had. I don't think I ever had to give them like that helping hand. It's more right. of like just communicating to make sure we know what's happening um, just because it is so new for us. Like we've never played this before. So just helping them understand and then helping me understand has been, has been key. Um, and then another player, Ava Brewer, she's been coming back from an injury with her calf. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think she's going to get the opportunity to play soon and she, she's killing it in practice. So I think if she ever gets the opportunity to come on, she'll surprise mm-hmm. a lot of you guys. So Mm-hmm. I'm super excited for her and super excited for her to get the opportunity to play. That's great. We get an Ava Brewer shout out. Ava <laughs> Ava was an interview for a feature that has not posted yet. And even getting to read her answers was so cool because she hasn't been playing. So I haven't got a chance to interview her, but I feel like I got to meet her through that process. So I love the Ava Brewer name drop. Well, <laughs> Meg, thanks so much for being willing. People do not need too much behind the scenes stuff, but we I only reached out to to the Gopher staff maybe a few hours ago and Meg was game to jump on and 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 deal with me live on social media. So this will also go out as a podcast recorded. So plenty of folks might be listening to this too. But Meg, you had an outstanding game as a holding midfielder. You go and play the Michigan Cup this week. So you play at Michigan on Thursday at 1 p.m a fun 1 p.m. game, yep. and then uh, theoretically a Sunday game, which I think there's a small chance it may be pushed to Monday if they can't yeah. play the field against Michigan State. But real congratulations on that great showing as a holding midfielder. I can't believe even after the COVID diagnosis, you went 110 minutes. You are a warrior. Um, but you you had a great game. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I had fun.